in Hiroshima, the Peace Park has been built in front of the last building, the only building left standing from the hypocenter of the bomb that dropped there on August 6, 1945. It's a lawn spreads out in front of its shell. And on the memorial cenotaph, it says, rest in peace for the mistake shall not be repeated. This week on the 75th anniversary of our dropping nuclear bombs first on Hiroshima and then on August 9th, today's date on Nagasaki, if we had a tower with a bell, we would join other congregations in peeling it 75 times on peel for each year. It's been that long that we have lived under this sword of Damocles. You may know that expression. Let me tell you the brief story of where it comes from. The sword of Damocles, uh, meaning that the feeling of having a threat hanging over you, comes from an ancient king named Dionysius who was challenged by a citizen, Damocles who said, it's not that difficult to be king. You have all this power, we have none. I would love to switch places with you. Maybe you've thought the same sometimes, thinking you could do a better job than the person in charge. Dionysius said, fine, fine, you can be king for a day and see how it feels. But before he left his throne room, he had a sword hung right over the throne by a single horsehair, just enough to keep the sword from falling. And when Damocles took up his seat on the throne, he saw that deadly point hanging above him, hanging on just by a thread. That Dionysius wanted him to know is how it feels to have power. One hangs always under a threat. And that's where we have been. Given this tremendous power, we have seized this tremendous power and used it against other human beings twice, 75 years ago, and since in other forms, ask the people of Iraq who have suffered many deformities from depleted uranium, so-called depleted uranium shells. We wield this tremendous power and we feel the threat all the time. This is the reality with which all of us throughout the world have lived, at least since our young adulthood, if we're really elderly. We, human beings, are capable of turning this world into hell. We know that now. We have not stayed our hand from doing so to these two cities, and we can turn the entire planet into a Nagasaki and a Hiroshima. The only thing keeping the 14,000 or so nuclear weapons from turning everything into a Holocaust is that we as citizens of a nuclear power are, are hostages. Our enemy, our partner, 
has its missiles pointed at us, and we have our missiles pointed at our enemies, our partners, our counterparts across the planet. We are holding them hostage. First, two powers facing off, then for many years, five, and now there are nine nuclear powers. Confronted with this reality, living with this kind of memory of suffering and loss, with this fear and helplessness, the helplessness of power and powerlessness, there are several responses. We can ignore it. We can hide it from ourselves and others. And the Hibakusha, those who survived the bomb blasts in uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, were largely hidden, even in Japan, for many years. We can cower in fear. We can sink into resignation. We can take on a cynicism of not caring about whether we or anyone else live or die. We can retreat into the hysteria of hedonism. Okay, everything's going to end, could end at any moment, so why bother about anything serious at all? We could take hope from the fact that, hey, it's been 20 years, and then 40 years, and then 60 years, and we haven't killed ourselves yet. We can spin fantasies, imagining escaping from Earth altogether, escaping from humanity. We can spin sci-fi imaginings of being able to put our fatal knowledge into a bottle at the bottom of a cave and no longer know how to destroy ourselves. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I'm sure I'm not the only person who occasionally counts the days until, according to the Star Trek universe, the Vulcans will find us and make things better. We can focus all our attention upon smaller fears, worrying about the little things so that we don't have to even notice there's a sword above our head. Or we can take action, which is small. As Dick Duda said, each of us can do very little. But given these other options of panic or fantasy or denial, action is pretty good to do something, however small. And of course it is small, but how long can we sustain even that action if we feel helpless and hopeless? I want to preach a hopeful message this morning. And I want to preach a true message. I honestly don't know if both are possible. I'd like to be able to say that the progress that we've made is so astonishing that nuclear weapons now stand as an emblem symbolizing our ability to climb out of the deepest pit. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be true either. We have made tremendous progress, and we can always slide back down. But I do think that the current state of affairs shows us our best hope. There is 
agreement of many people across the political spectrum, across the world of disarmament work and foreign policy and saber rattling, that we must have multi, multilateral nuclear disarmament, that that is worth pursuing and that it is possible. For example, Henry Kissinger, George Shultz, Sam Nunn, and William Perry wrote an essay just saying just that several years ago. Any agreement, however wary and tentative, forged between Physicians for Social Responsibility, with which William Perry is now partnering, and Henry Kissinger has got to have something going for it. The 14-year-old girl that I was, pretty sure that the way I was going to meet my end was in a nuclear war, and that the age at which I would meet it was before 30. That girl would have been impressed, maybe even hopeful, to hear about that coalition. As it was, the fear of nuclear war, the brinksmanship of the 1980s, in which I grew into this political awareness, combined with teenage angst and adolescent arrogance, made me into an activist. Maybe any issue would have done it, but this was mine. Freeze Voter was the first organization that I worked with on political issues, and the anti-nuclear march in New York City in the early 80s was my very first large demonstration. There's a saying you may have heard, I've heard it many times, attributed to Margaret Mead, which is not correct. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. As I say, that wasn't Margaret Mead. I wish we could credit whomever did say it, because it's true. The fact that we have made any progress, and any progress we will continue to make, is down to a group of thoughtful, committed citizens. That is all we have. And for all the changes that have ever come to us for the better, that's been what it took. Dick Duda was inspired by his experiences here at UUCPA to make nuclear disarmament his cause. In turn, he's been doing the work and feeding it back to us, telling us what we can do, how we can help building a virtuous cycle, spiraling out toward the light, away from under this sword, if just for a moment, here and there. Just as our failure to disarm when the then Soviet Union did the unthinkable, the unimaginable in my teenage years, and unilaterally reduced its holdings of nuclear weapons, that threatened to, just as that threatened to, to topple activists of that time into despair, we can spill back into despair at any moment when our country and North Korea play brinksmanship once again after making so much progress. But we can build this virtuous cycle. Work, 
Tell others how to join the good fight. Spread the word. Start small. Spread outwards. There's no guarantee of safety. We can't forget what we know. The doomsday clock set to remind us how much danger we're in is now closer to midnight than it has ever been since its establishment in 1947, having, having been moved to 100 minutes, a uh, 100 seconds to midnight after the recent standoff between the US and North Korea. But we have also built something a little bit more hopeful than Albert Einstein's anguished cry that everything, everything has changed except our ability to understand and grapple with the moral reality in which we, in which we now live. I began with Mr. Tanaka's words, as mild as his description is compared to many descriptions of those terrible, terrible days and their aftermath. I begin there with his childhood recollection of the most destructive possible bomb falling on his city in that moment. Because I think that remembering the stakes is important. Even though for some, it's too dark, too scary. I know kids are listening. And for some, even that memory sends them into a downward spiral of despair, which I don't want. And I end with what we can do, even though for some, listing those things will sound like never enough, a hopeless dream, too glib. But it's important to talk about what we can do. And so I'd like to share five things being asked of us by people such as William F. Perry, um, articulated by Dick Duda, along with Judy Adams in the Menlo Park Almanac just this past week. Things we can do as citizens is press for no first use. Our nation does not hold that policy. We have a policy that says that the highest priority is to deter potential adversaries from mounting an attack, whether it's a nuclear attack or a conventional attack. But we have other ways of defending ourselves if we are attacked. And so having a no first use of nuclear weapons policy would significantly reduce the danger that a conflict such as happens in the world could rapidly, rapidly es escalate out of control. It also would protect us against false alarms, of which there have been many. Something else we can do is broaden the group that needs to make a nuclear decision. At the moment, that decision in the United States is up to one person, the president. No one can lawfully prevent the president from ordering a nuclear attack. This is a Cold War era policy and it is outdated and it's very dangerous. There are much, there are practical ways to have a body say of three people who must confer and decide so that no single individual has this power. Something third we can do also 
a legacy from the Cold War era, is that our intercontinental ballistic missiles are on hair trigger alert, meaning if we have the slightest concern that we are being attacked, they go on to red alert. This is very, very dangerous, needless to say. It risks false alarms and accidentally beginning a war when there was no threat. So we can take our land-based intercontinental ballistic missiles off hair trigger alert, or better yet, as uh, Dick Duda writes, and as advocated by former Secretary of Defense William Perry, also former president of this congregation, by the way, we can completely eliminate these missiles. The fourth thing we can do, speaking of all our nuclear arms, is to stop modernizing them. We are spending so much money keeping our, bringing our nuclear weapons up to date. The current plans call for developing new warheads at new, and new delivery systems at the cost of at least $2 trillion over the next 30 years. And knowing how these spent expenditures work, probably much, much more. This would be a colossal waste of money. It would not actually make us more safe. It would make us less safe. And finally, we can actively pursue a verifiable agreement to eliminate nuclear arsenals. Dick writes, this is admittedly the hardest of the five steps, but there are reasons for hope. And one is the non-proliferation treaty under which the total of nuclear weapons around the world came down from more than 70,000 to today's total of around 14,000. 14-year-old me would have been astonished. And the UN G General Assembly much more recently, in, in 2017, passed the Treaty on the Prohibitions of Nuclear Weapons, which shows the will of the international body, not any of the nuclear powers. But now the nine of us have to stand against all these other countries that say you must not allow nuclear weapons to be used or indeed to be owned. So five things we can press for as citizens. No first use, limiting the president's power and requiring a larger command structure to make a uh, nuclear war happen. Take our intercontinental ballistic missiles, our ICBMs off hair trigger alert and ideally get rid of them. Cancel the modernization program that is costing trillions of dollars and actively pursue a verifiable multilateral agreement to get rid of all of the arsenals in these nine countries around the world. Dick Duda and his friend Judy Adams wrote about this in an op-ed praising and thanking Menlo Park mayor for joining the Back from the Brink movement, championed by, among other luminaries, for former Secretary of State William Perry, only a handful of California cities have signed on. You could help make your city the next one, a grassroots movement that tells the government of our country and others that we take this seriously, that we are paying attention to the nuclear danger, and we will keep pulling them back from the brink. And as Dick noted in the reading that I shared, we can each work on becoming peacemakers in other places in our lives, working to end the, the danger of climate change, which plays so dangerously into this worldwide 
conflict potential. Working for Black Lives Matter and other anti-racism work. Meeting with the Healing the, the Divide group, learning how to practice compassion and peace in our own lives, in our families. Making that the center of our lives will help us to know what to do when a policy matter is before us. So let us return to this place right here. And I ask you now to enter with me into addressing in yourself or in the world, whatever the source is of your strength, your courage, your insight, your goodness, whatever that source is, let us address it together. Let us pray. O oh, source that helps me know what is right, that helps me to act upon what I know and believe. Help me to emerge from fear and helplessness. Help me to know my strength and to take action. Source of all that is good, when I look over my head, may I see not just power and powerlessness, this point of a deadly sword hanging above me. May I see the blue sky, the birds with their song. May I see branches blossoming. May I see all that is good and beautiful and beloved and deserving of my protection. so that I may act not from fear, not from desperation, but from love. This I pray, that the mistake shall not be repeated. Amen and blessed be.